Hi, my name's Jason. I'm the senior pastor at Chilton Church. We hope all our messages will help you connect more fully with God's love, grow as his follower, and share his hope with those around you. Thanks so much for joining us. If anyone has slipped in, my name is Jason, uh, and we are at the moment journeying through a series that we have called The Heart of Jesus, uh, out of the Gospel of Mark, and looking at what is Jesus' heart? What is, it, what is it like to know the heart of God, the heart of Jesus? And, you know, there are some truths about God that are so foundational, so important, that if we are skew on them in our minds and heart and thinking, not just at an intellectual level, but at an emotional level, at an expectation level, if we're skew on some of these foundational truths, it has a significant impact on our walk and relationship day to day with God. And so we believe understanding God's heart, what motivates God, what moves God, what God cares about and how he cares about the things that he loves is so important. What God loves and what God hates. These foundational truths are often some of the most contested truths in our lives and in our expectation. And the enemy will try to do everything that he can to undermine, to confuse them, to rob us of really appreciating them. And so it's my hope that in this series, which is only going to last a couple of weeks, that we would have this opportunity, that God would have an opportunity to reaffirm what his heart is like what the heart of God is like. Um, And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Mark chapter 1. But before we get there, I'd like to share something that's been on my heart, another scripture that's been on my heart that I think will help to introduce this theme that we're going to look at. And it's in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verse 6. And in Hebrews 11, you can maybe just jot this down if you're taking notes. Hebrews 11, verse 6, it says this. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That God is a God who rewards those that seek him. That God blesses the people who seek to come close to him. That's the way that God responds to us. He doesn't respond by rejecting those who come to him. He responds by embracing those who seek him out. And I think as I've been reflecting on this, that that many of us have had to deal with significant rejection in our lives. I know I have had to deal with significant rejection in my life and had a big impact on the way that I did life, my expectations, the way that I did relationships with other people, and even the way that I did relationships with God. We have been created for connection. God created us to have connection. It's one of the most significant human needs to be able to have connection with other people. We were created, we believe, as valuable by God, that God himself has made us and we are made in his image. We have intrinsic value. And so when that value is undermined or when that connection with others is broken, it has a profound impact on our lives. And so when a parent 
leaves a child or is emotionally absent, when a spouse leaves another individual, when a friend disconnects with us, if a child distances themselves from a parent, or the many other ways that we can experience rejection in our lives, loneliness in our lives, it has a profound impact upon us. I was reading up on this, and I, and I read this, which I thought was, was quite significant. Rejection also has serious implications for an individual's psychological state and for society in general. Social rejection can influence our emotion, cognition, the way we think, even our physical health. As far as your brain is concerned, a broken heart is not so different from a broken arm. And the reason that they were saying that in this journal uh, that I was reading, uh, a psychologist, Guy Winch, was explaining it, that when scientists placed people in functional MRI machines to sort of scan the activity of their brain and ask them to recall recent rejection, they discovered something amazing, that the same areas of our brain that are activated when we experience pain, physical pain, are activated when we experience rejection. And that's why even small rejections end up hurting much more than we think because they literally elicit pain in us, though it's emotional pain. But our brain is functioning and experiencing it in the same way. And so we have this scenario where we are wired for connection. We are wired to be connected to people. We are wired to be valued because we have been created as valuable by God. And yet we can deeply fear rejection because it's so painful and it hurts us so much. And it's not just the rejection of others. It's actually God's rejection that we can fear. And yet God says if we seek him, he won't reject us. He will embrace us. He will reward us. He will come near to us. And so I, I'd love for you just to have that in mind as we come to our passage in, in Mark chapter 1, verse 40. If you've got your Bibles, you can go there. Otherwise, it's going to be up on the screen. Um, but sometimes it's nice to follow uh, in your own Bible or tablet. You can make notes, and I love to highlight things. But here we go. Mark chapter 1 says this. A man with leprosy came to him, came to Jesus, and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And just pause there. I want to say something about leprosy was a big deal in the time of Jesus' ministry. Uh, William Lane, who's written an amazing commentary on the Gospel of Mark, explains that in all the Old Testament, only twice, only twice is it recorded that God heals someone of leprosy. The rabbis during uh, Jesus' day affirmed that it was as difficult to heal a leper as it was to raise someone from the dead. In other words, there was no cure. There was no hope of restoration. Not only that, in order to safeguard the community from the spread of leprosy, people who had leprosy were forced to live outside of community. They couldn't have contact with other people. They had to walk around announcing constantly that they were unclean so that other people wouldn't come into contact with them. They weren't allowed to have physical contact with anyone. Lane goes on to explain that leprosy brought with it deep physical and mental anguish for both the afflicted individual and the community 
Because if this was someone that you loved and cared for, they would then be separated from you. And so just to have this in your mind, here's this man who has been experiencing constant rejection, pain, separation, loneliness. And they now come to Jesus. And Jesus replies like this. Jesus was indignant. Okay, that's maybe a bit of a strange uh, thing for us to anticipate. You might have in your Bible, filled with compassion. You think, well, those are two slightly different translations. Jesus was indignant or Jesus was filled with compassion. Where does that come from? We have a slight difference in some of our ancient Greek manuscripts, but essentially they get us to the same place. Either Jesus is saying he's indignant in the sense of how could you even ask if I would be willing? Of course I am willing to help you. Or he is moved with compassion. But either way, we see the result is the same. He reached out his hand, touched the man, and said, I am willing. He said, be clean. Interesting, he doesn't say be healed, although he was. He says, be clean. He not only addresses his physical issue, but he addresses his identity as well. This man who's had to walk around his entire time that he's had this illness, shouting out, unclean, unclean, unclean. You can't connect with me. You have to separate from me. Jesus addresses that as well. I am willing. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. You know, I think we have a tendency to disqualify ourselves from God's love, to disqualify ourselves from God's compassion and God's interaction with us in our lives. It was a real challenge for this man to believe that God would be willing to help him. He must have heard that Jesus was a man who had healed many other people. But his question was not, can Jesus heal others? But would he be willing to help me? Would he be willing to step into my pain and my challenge? Would he be willing to come and help me in my suffering? You see, we learn through experience. The more we experience rejection, the longer we live with a sense of insignificance. And that often plays out in this kind of inward thinking that, you know, um, others are more important to God than I am. God might do it for others, but not for me. I don't want to bother God with that because he's too busy with other important people. Not sure if any of you have ever had thoughts like that. Here, you don't have to put up your hand because I'm sure that many of us have. I have. But the longer we live with that, the harder it is to come seeking God, believing he's going to reward me as I seek him. Maybe he'll reward the church as we pray together. Maybe he'll do something in our community. Maybe he'll do something in our city or in our nation. But I don't really know if he's going to do something for me. And we can exclude ourselves from the love of God for a whole range of reasons. I sinned in this way. God could never accept me, at least not fully, or forgive me. I've done this. I haven't done that. Or my issue is, is too small and insignificant. God has got bigger fish to fry right now. You know, there are some really big things. that I don't want to bother God with my little issue. It's so trivial. It can be the way that we think. I've definitely thought like that. I realized that as I was thinking that, I was broken in two ways. I had a distorted belief about the power of God. I'm not sure how many of you ha have been parents. Once you've been a parent, you realize that you get tired and your kids want to do things with you and they see you like Superman. 
when, when they're little. They don't think you get tired. They don't think you feel pain. You know, they'll, oh, we've got three boys. They will jump all over us. You know, they run and jump with their knees like they see in the cartoons. You know, they just don't think that we experience any pain. They don't think that we get tired. And so they ask us to do things. And there are times when we just don't have the capacity to step in the way that we might want to. And we can bring that assumption into our relationship with God. And we assume that he maybe gets tired. We assume he doesn't have time. We assume he doesn't have the energy. But that's not true about God. What does it say in Isaiah 40? That he's a God who never grows tired, never grows weary. So I had a distorted belief about the power of God. And I also realized I was engaging out of my sense of rejection. That God does not see me as significantly as he perhaps sees others. And God had to challenge that in me. See, the truth is, God is concerned about everything you are concerned about. Because he loves you. And he's concerned about you. It doesn't matter how big or small that issue is. God cares and he is willing to help. He is willing to step into our lives, our pain, our challenge, our opportunities our opportunities for new things. See, the message of the story is that God cares about you and it doesn't matter how many others have rejected you, God never will if you turn to him. Do you remember the story of the prodigal son? It's quite a famous parable that Jesus tells. And essentially, this is my paraphrase, uh, the prodigal son comes to the father and says, Dad, I wish you were dead because I just want your money. I'd like my inheritance now because to me, you're already dead. The thing that's valuable about you is what you can give to me. That's essentially what the, what the son says. Then he takes his inheritance and he goes off and he squanders it on a whole range of silly things until it's all gone. And he has friends while he has the money and he has people around while he's got the money. Then when the money's gone, everybody leaves him. And he thinks, I'm eating the food the pigs are eating. It would be better to be a servant in my father's house now that everyone else has rejected me. And so he comes back to the father, assuming the father is going to reject him just like all his friends had rejected him. And what does the dad do? He's not only been rejected by his son, but knows his son has done everything that would displease him. He breaks all social convention. He lifts up his robe and he runs out to meet him, to embrace him. See, that's the heart of Jesus. It's to connect with you. If you will turn to him, if you will come to him, then he will draw near to you. And he will embrace you and walk with you. So we want to do some things now. We want to take some time to pray for people. Uh, We'd love to pray for you no matter what the need is, whether the need is big (laughs) or whether the need is small. (laughs) Okay, I thought that was a good picture. We'd We'd love to be praying for people to experience the love of God. Perhaps for some of you, you don't know spiritually what it feels like yet to have God embrace you. 
it speaks in, in Romans chapter 5 about the love of God being poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So if you imagine your heart is like a tank, okay, and you've got two tanks. You've got a spiritual love tank and you've got a physical love tank. Okay? Your parents and your friends and your family and your church, we are there to help fill your physical tank with love. And I hope that it's full, but for many of us, it's not. Okay? But that's, that's that love tank is meant to be full. And then we have a spiritual love tank where God comes by his spirit and pours his love into us. And the amazing thing about God is his love is so immense that where we are deficient in our physical love tank, it's able to spill over and top up the difference so that we get to live as loved people, very powerful way to live. And so if you haven't experienced that, or you're feeling like you need a little top up, we often say to our boys, how are your love tanks? Or how are your tickle tanks? You know, or, or, or how, and, and, we'll, and then we top them up if, they, if they're deficient. And, and we, I realize we all leak, okay? Our love tanks leak. And so we need to get topped up from time to time. So if you need a love tank top up, then we'd love to pray for you. Um, maybe some of you would like to experience the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've never had anyone pray for you to experience the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Or perhaps you've been reading in your Bibles, and we were talking about this the other day at Connect Group, about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've never had anyone pray for you for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Well, we can pray for you for that as well. Maybe there are some of you who are here today who need healing. It might be a little thing. It might be a really big thing. We are really persevering in prayer for some people in the church. We are praying for healing. And we'd love to do that. Um, we can anoint you with oil, as it speaks about in James. Don't worry, that doesn't mean we pour a whole lot of oil on your head. Okay, We've got a little bit of oil here. And, and I'll put some on my finger and then just put it on your forehead if you're comfortable for that. It speaks in James about if anyone is sick, come, let the people of the elders of the church pray for them, anointing them with oil, symbolic of the Holy Spirit. It's not magic oil, okay? But it is an obedience to God where we say we recognize it's as the Holy Spirit comes on people that people do get healed. And then you may have other needs, they might be big, they might be small, they might be things that you, don't re you haven't really talked to other people about. We'd love to pray for you for that as well. Is that okay? Because this is a time where we realize the ministry that we do to one another can be profound and powerful in changing the whole way that we live the rest of our lives as we allow God in to reshape, to remold, and to transform us. Amen? Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about the church and how to connect with us in person or online, wherever you are, please visit our website at www.chiltonchurch.org.uk.